everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Facade. This is episode 11. And my name is Doña Junta from Swami Chronicles. Hi, I'm Sabrina. And you can follow me on Observing Spooks and Other Vices. And we got a really special guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Wayne Poe. I'm a paranormal investigator and I make paranormal documentaries. And you can find my links on mrpoesmorg.com. Thank you. So today we're going to have an episode on the Colorado Street Bridge in the city of Pasadena. It has a long, extensive history of many things happening at this bridge. And we're going to dig into not just the history of the bridge, but just a lot of the atrocities that have happened at the bridge. It, it is known as the Suicide Bridge. We are going to be talking about death and suicide and paranormals. If you want to, Sabrina, if you want to say something about that little warning definitely trigger warning heavy content we're going to be talking about suicide so if you're feeling suicidal or you know someone who might be suicidal please reach out to them and know that you're not alone i will provide crisis hotline information on the description of the episode also we'll be saying it out loud at the end of the episode we'll um, make sure that that is also on there for anybody that is feeling distressed let's start off with uh, why we're connected to this bridge i mean for me i could start off i didn't i never been to this bridge up until the time i went with you two which does anybody know a date 2014 Okay, 2014. Wow. That was a while back. I want to say maybe I heard about it, but I don't remember like really hearing about it growing up or later on. And I, ne I never really heard about it that I could remember. I just remember you guys talking about it and just, you know, going there. That's how I kind of really knew about the bridge, basically, the first time I was there. So I didn't really have a lot of connection to it until that time. And then it's just the, the time we went again recently which was completely different in the daytime as opposed to the night. And we'll be sharing the paranormal experience in a little bit. That's kind of like, I'm, I'm not like super familiar until recently. What about you, Sabrina? I've been there multiple times. I've investigated. It's a, it's an interesting spot for paranormal reasons. It's a heavy spot. And there's a lot of beauty, despite the fact that it's home to a lot of souls that perished. The architecture is wonderful. How about you, Wayne? What's your connection and why we why did we bring you on the episode today? What's your connection to this bridge or your kind of experience with it? I've heard about it before a lot, you know, growing up, but I never I was never there until about uh, 2010 when I decided to do a I decided to start filming paranormal documentaries and I found out a lot of a lot of uh, paranormal investigators go to the bridge and to collect evidence or look for ghosts and stuff like that so the very first time i was there it was 2010 i've been there a few times after that okay so within the span of a decade both of you guys been there several times yeah safe to say did you hear about it growing up sabrina because i had never heard about it either so. i don't really recall it's funny living in the harbor area and i'm not sure if you can uh, agree to this usually our we're the greater los angeles and we don't always know about things like we know about Pasadena, but we don't know what's there until we get there. I don't recall remembering hearing about it growing up. I really don't. I mean, it's, it was interesting learning about it later. So I'm going to start off with talking about the history of it from when it was built and some of the description of the bridge. And then we could get into all of us kind of talking about the deaths. There was, there was more than 100 deaths. 
and too many to even say every single person's name. I mean, I have, just to give you an idea, I have about maybe 43 that had some kind of story in the newspaper, but there was tons more. And I think there was about 500 people that they try to save that didn't make it over. So it's a lot. Let's start first with the history. So I'm going to um, read some of the history. The Colorado Street Bridge was completed December 1913. The cost of the bridge was about $200,000. It kind of varies with some of the different research I've done, 250 around there. It was paid by the LA County Board of Supervisors and the city of Pasadena. This is approximately, but the dimensions are about 1,350 feet long and 150 feet high. We also heard different numbers, 160 feet around there, but it's over 150 feet high. Um, the center span is about 320 feet high, I guess, because it kind of curves. According to them at the time, that was like the highest point. The city says at the time considered the new bridge a public necessity. And according to the uh, LA Times, it was the longest and the highest bridge in LA, twice as high as the Buena Vista Bridge that was near the LA River. So a lot of the LA River bridges were built like in the 20s. So this was way older than that. But the bridge that was there, the earliest one, it was like twice as high as that. The bridge was designed by John Alexander Lowe, Waddell, and Harrington, John Drake, and John Drake. And there was a bunch of engineers and other like contractors and stuff that also helped. The bridge was provided as an easy and direct route across the valley from Pasadena to Los Angeles. It basically, that was one of the main ways to get to downtown LA at the time. I guess they needed more of a direct way which wasn't available. This was way before the freeways, all, obviously, and all that. So they, they this was like a, a big deal, right? Let me kind of describe kind of the architecture. The road between both sides is 28 feet long, and it's paved with asphalt. There's sidewalks that are five feet wide. And on each pillar is a projecting bay with a bench, which you guys know that. There's also light posts and hanging globes on the, on the posts. And the structure was considered to be meant for highway and pedestrian use only. They used about 10,000 barrels of concrete and 40 to 100 men were employed to build the bridge. There was like seven arches, like the spans that they called. Some uh, of the research considered it neo-Gothic arches. So that's kind of what it said on December 1913. 5,000 people came out to celebrate, to dedicate the bridge. If you would imagine, it was really crowded right there, right? Can you imagine the monstrosity? So they were really happy. City council supervisors, highway commission, they all spoke and they had like a parade of the first 300 cars making it over the bridge so they could cut the ribbon. It was like a really big deal and it was, you know, a nice event that they held they were so proud of this like beautiful bridge. That was kind of like a the, the beginning, right? If you guys been there or you haven't, the bottom of it is called Arroyo Seco, which is kind of a area where there, I think water used to cross through it or sometimes it does when it rains. I don't know if anybody knows, but Arroyo means some kind of like water, like a, not a river quite, like, like a, a stream. River? No, there's water. It's, it's not a full on full blast river, but Arroyo Seco, Yes, it means dry river. So maybe at one time it was different. Um, who knows? Because I, there has been, in, in the deaths, there has been uh, people that have fell into a water part of it. Maybe there's parts that had water in it. Probably it would dry up with certain, you know, 
times of the year possibly as well yeah so that's kind of the early history of that and then pretty soon after it was built and remember we're going back to 1913 so soon after people started using the bridge there was a lot of suicides that started beginning to happen in the early years from the research what i i read the first one his name was joseph m roma and the article said that he was the first one to christen the bridge like he was the first unfortunately and they didn't really say why or any any reason specific at the time the second one was june 7 1915 it was alfred McDonald. He was 26-year-old Canadian, and he was the second one. And the reason they said that he jumped over was because he was diagnosed with asthma four years ago, and he had heard about Joseph jumping the bridge. So it kind of like, in a way, inspired him, unfortunately. He was diagnosed with asthma, but he was afraid that he was going to be told that he had tuberculosis. He was dreading that. The doctor ended up telling him he had tuberculosis, and that kind of really just he couldn't talk, take it and he ended up and he he didn't jump off the bridge this gentleman hung off the bridge and his friends found him hung the next that night I think because he had dinner with his friends and he was pretty much being straight out there I think I'm gonna kill myself and if I if you guys don't find me I'm gonna this is where I'll be at I mean mind you now when somebody says they're gonna kill themselves we're, we're more alerted to be like like no like get help get involved exactly but back then it was a whole different things but they did end up going to look for him and he was found hanging from the pillar down to the so he didn't actually fall the way down he hung you know don't really even think about you know hanging off of the bridge you just uh, immediately go to jumpers that's crazy i mean there were so many i could go on and on i mean uh, i don't think think in one episode we'll have time for everybody basically in the 1920s i mean there was there was one that was really interesting was this it was kind of a silly thing this teenagers were walking down the bridge and one of the kids got dared like jump i dare you to jump off the bridge he did, and he ended up falling, getting saved by eucalyptus trees that oh were at the goodness. bottom. And he got very lucky. He and he didn't die, but he was like, "I'll never do that again." I'm like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah." And it was interesting because he was a tree trimmer, and he got saved by trees. They were looking out for him. Yeah, I was like, "What? <laughs> That's very weird." By sheer luck. And you guys, what I found interesting from all these, the what the highest rate, which it was re- reported throughout the time, was in the 1930s, which is the Great Depression. I think there was about 50 deaths during that time. Did you guys hear about that? Or were you guys kind of aware of that one? Not really. Not, well, at least not specifically during that time. What about you, Wayne? No, I just, I just noticed that uh, the deaths started to drop around the 70s for some reason it was it reached i don't know if you could say it reached a peak but before the 70s you'd have a couple people going over like you know once a couple times a year the 70s it kind of slowed down for some reason yes and in the 30s people were jumping off at least once a week maybe twice yeah later they found out for whoever left suicide notes that a lot of times it was financial reasons or they couldn't get a job or lost their job which like I was, I was just thinking too, like we hear about the Great Depression, but I always heard it like in history books, like, oh, it's Wall Street guys that jumped off. Not that that's any better, but 
like people that were in financial jobs that that really took a toll. I didn't think like the people that were I mean, obviously, people that were more poor, obviously, they they felt a toll of, of financial crisis. But I didn't think it led to that point where there was a lot of suicides as well. Yeah. You, when you think of the Great Depression, at least when I think of it, I think of those uh, textbook photos of like the 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 Midwest and the dust. Yes. And you don't really think of like California, at least I don't personally, unless I think of like the Cecil and that part. But you don't really think about people in California, sunny California, being so distraught because their life, it seems like it's over because they can't eat, because they can't work, they have no money. So no, I never thought of that. I've seen soup kitchen lines from that era. Just people with general jobs, like say janitors or stuff like that, they won't don't have a job because businesses have closed. And I've seen people with, uh, they had those called, what's called sandwich board signs. Uh, I have these skills and this and that, but I can't feed my kids. I, I have no job. Please help me and stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense, I guess, you know, that people were desperate. And at least in the 30s, a, a few people in the tw- back to the 20s. I mean, there was a lot of emotional dysregulation, I guess. Um, husbands thinking their wives are cheating. There was a lot of that fear that their wife is cheating. There was a couple of military from World War One, I, I believe, military personnel. There, there was even more people that were they had careers like businesses or or they had they were bankers. So yeah, it, maybe some of them were people that in that field, but there was all kinds of people. It was not just you know people that you would think that hit the as a as they got to the great depression in the 1930s i mean that was like the the prime time like i was saying with, where it started really troubling the city so that's when they were like thinking what are we going to do you know as far as this bridge that they love and it's so beautiful but it's also a place where people are dying and synonymous with suicide and the name suicide bridge became that in in the earliest days it, it was from the 30 was it was already called suicide bridge i learned yeah, it you, as suicide bridge if you got people jumping once a week in the 30s it, you probably would notice it as a suicide bridge instead of colorado street bridge you know that was interesting to me because i you know like when you do hear these stories i mean you think that it's something more modern because you don't think it goes way back to that i i understand what you're saying and i might just pull on that a little further when you think about people in old timey times if you will you forget to humanize them and think that they have problems like how we have them yes because sometimes it's glamorized or televised or it just seems so um far from what we have today so i totally see what you're saying about that it's hard to believe that they had so many issues that we suffer from day- like nowadays as well so i'll name a few from that from the 30s october 15 1932 clara harriet Lindsay loss of her property jumped over november 13 1933 shahak nersisian 32 year old oriental rug importer jumped off 1933 gustav peterson shot himself at the bridge railing and toppled over so there was that as well that was really like that overkill I was imagining like that's pretty wow, you know. If he, well, if he had if he had a thought like me, if I say if I wanted to commit suicide, I would think just my luck. I'm going to hit the bottom. I'm still going to be alive, but I couldn't move. So he's going to. I was thinking, well, I'll shoot myself and I'll jump, but I'll make certain I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be dead, you know. Yeah. You might be going through something that kind of thought process. 
1933, so September 27, 33, Charles Mason, 35-year-old disabled Canadian World War One vet World War veteran from Canada, also from Oakland. He wasn't even from the area. 1933, 23-year-old Sally Nichols. And she was employed by a maid as a maid. Uh, she was employed by an attorney. They found her down there. December 19, 1934, James H. Rye. Uh, he was a psychiatric patient from General Hospital. Okay. He got released and made his way over there. They really, he wasn't ready to be released, I guess, at the time. Um, October 26, 1934, Gus uh, Picolas, 53-year-old businessman. He, he had ill health. There was a lot of ill health. So whatever diseases and stuff were like really common at the time. Maybe they're curable now at the time. Probably not. There was a lot of that. Um, a lot of separations, like, you know, like I told you, divorces or like cheating and stuff like that. Have you guys heard? I, I know that you heard of the, the lady from the through the baby, right? Is that the only one that you guys heard? That's the most famous one I heard. Where yeah. she responded about a breakup or something and she threw the baby over. And then people saw her throw the baby over. And then she was ready to jump. They're trying to stop her, but she jumped. And so I did read the... about her story just to kind of clarify what happened with her. So May 4th, 1937, Miss Murder Ward threw her three-year-old. It's not, it wasn't a baby. It was a three-year-old. Oh, three-year-old. Yeah, three-year-old daughter, Jeanne Louise Ward, because she was feeling hopeless. Um, she had just, her her husband was an accordion player. It was, and he had a hard time getting work and he ended up getting, having to do some government job to get work and she had to stop working and she ended up getting really like depressed because she wasn't able to help and they're already low on money. So she decided to, you know, go down there and just end it. And she, she took her daughter, she kind of wrapped her like in a jacket or something and pinned a note on her, like of who she was, Myrtle. And in the daughter's name, she threw her first. And yet, like you said, she went after and some people seen her. She was going to the Louis, uh, Myrtle was going to jump over after. And a couple of people seen and they're like, no, trying to stop her and like, you know, trying to call her back. And she jumped and she landed about eight feet from the young daughter, which the young daughter got saved by trees and, and soft sand and she was almost unscathed wow the daughter when they got to the bottom they the daughter was crying and saying mommy mommy and trying to like get to her mom which was about eight feet away and the mom ended up fully passing away at the hospital maybe in the 80s or 90s they contacted the daughter to talk about this I guess they found they wanted to find her to see what happened to her she says she always knew the story of what happened, she has a very vague memory of her mom uh, carrying her, but she, everything after that is like blank. She, in her in her mind, she's like, I was saved by angels. There's no way I could have survived that with some kind of positive entity helping me. In her, she, she was very religious, so that helped her cope with that. She, she didn't take the, she always wondered what was going on with her mom, but she, the way she reframed it was that, you know, my mom didn't want me to suffer out here and she wanted me to go with you know like to go as well so I won't be out here suffering alone so she kind of seen it as not like completely like my mom's a horrible person and she said that she didn't have like a lot of issues growing up or like mental health or nothing 
I guess she was able to cope because she didn't really have too much memories of it. She was able to tell, you know, the stories to her daughter and granddaughters. And they they often drive down the bridge and wonder, like, what their grandma was going through. I'm glad that she did good. And it wasn't like this terrible tragedy for her, even if she stayed alive. Yeah, there, that could could have gone a complete opposite way. I mean, after that, they they decided to erect a fence, a suicide preventing type of fence that would, I guess it's whatever fence is there that it curves. Do you guys remember? Because I can't recall the fence right now. Not the new one, but the other one. Well, it's well, like, I, it's when, secondary. Well, when I was there in 2010 with a, with one group, they were showing me this this is what's put in to stop more suicides. And it, it's so it, it, I thought it was part of the original fence. I mean, original gate uh, bridge, as it sees those two bars, and it looks like it matches the architecture. So I don't. I wasn't really sure how. I mean, it's a little higher than what it what you know would be when you're you're sitting down. But uh, I thought that was originally part of the the uh, bridge. It looks it looks nice. Not like the chain link fence that's on there now. It looks terrible. You Do know? you remember in your perspective sabrina the before now i think wayne explained it pretty well um it it almost looks as if it could have been original like it doesn't look like off-putting i'm not afraid of height but when i was there before and investigating paranormal um investigations the idea of fully like looking over to look down is a little creepy me so i didn't look down or like hang over it very much but it does look kind of, it doesn't look bad it doesn't look off-putting at all so if if you thought it was like part of if someone could easily believe that it was original to um the bridge because it's not it, it's nice looking it's not bad game link fence well they described it as an ornamental iron type of fence that was about eight feet to them i don't know and i guess it curves inward like the top part yeah. And mm-hmm. outward, I guess. So you won't try to jump, you know, it'll probably poke you or something. Right. I don't know if that was that, that was the one they described in the 30s that 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 they put, which did help prevent a lot of suicides after they did that. They were they had different ideas. They even wanted to put like a net on the bottom. Like a, a metal net, like to catch right. people. But it, I guess that didn't go through for some reason. I don't know if it was just too difficult to do it that way. I don't know. But that didn't go through. And there was a fight between, you know, people in the city and, and putting this fence initially because, well, it took away the beauty to them, right, of the bridge. That was kind of, but they did put it and it, it did prevent some deaths because after the 30s, there is not many that i that i seen um there were some in the 50s couple in the 60s and then some in the couple in the 80s and 90s as well but it wasn't it wasn't by 1974 there was 91 deaths so it's a little higher now it's over a little bit over 100 now so it did help in some way but it's people still managed to kind of get over that even when it, the the bridge has been closed down they closed it down i mean they even wanted to tear it down because it got so bad like just so the idea of it got really bad so they wanted to tear it down but that kind of didn't go through because a lot of people were seeing the historic value of it and all that but they were starting to get like what could we do this is like really it was worse than like they said bridges like in san francisco or um, new york at the time 
So it did have more attention. I pose a question to you both. What do you think draws people to Suicide Bridge or Colorado Street Bridge? Because we've been, you and I, Doña Junta, we have been multiple times on um, many other bridges throughout Los Angeles. And we don't see people jump. Well, not that we see them, but we haven't heard a mass amount of people jumping off these bridges. What is it about the Colorado Street Bridge that draws people there to want to live their last moments and give up? What do you think, Wayne? And I'll go next. First, I would think the height. Maybe it was the highest bridge when it was first built. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Terminal Island's bridge is probably higher now. I'm not sure. And Golden Gate Bridge is much higher. I think as I think the high, the higher you go, the more chance you know you're going to die. So that was what would draw people. And then of course, it's not only bridges. There's buildings, like you know they've they had to put preventative measures on the Empire State Building when it was first built because people were jumping off that too. You could say just because of the uh, just because of the myths and stories that are the Arroyo Seco, the, the occult stat hap, uh, happenings there. You could say people could be drawn to it. There's really no proof of that. I'm thinking it's just the height difference and just a this is a new this is a new bridge and it's higher than the last one. Let's I'm gonna go there. From what they look like, it was definitely a height thing. And there is also because the newspapers publicized it, it got people to know that this is the place to go. And right. that's why yeah. the city of Pasadena was also like, Well, you guys are like putting these stories out there. And now people get, get, are getting ideas. It kind of did attract more people because of the articles, just like maybe like the Cecil Hotel in a sense. Like right. people were going there because it was like a known spot, but it was too because it was high. A couple of people did jump off some of the LA River bridges like later in time, but it, it was not as many. Oh, I love your answers. And I love having, you know, having friends that are very scientific based. And not just automatically saying, oh, there must be something going on down there and it's drawing people. I would I would have to agree with you both. I do, though, think that there's something else going on. What? I don't know. I think it's probably a trifecta of things. The height, the hype, and the land, possibly. I think so. Uh, I, I was telling you that there was an article from June 1935, and it's called The Siren of Suicide Bridge. They had like maybe four or five theories of why people are attracted to this. Nice. Let's hear. One of them was what you said about the Royal Seco and the history of that, because they used to be a, a area where bandits would cross all the time. And um, there was a famous uh, bandit named the Drusio Vasquez. And I guess, according to them, he terror terrorized a lot of California through that time. And that was his hideaway. Arroyo Seco was his hideaway. Have you heard of him, Wayne? Or heard of that? I'm wondering if that's the same guy that the name Vasquez rocks from. Because that was another guy, uh, outlaw. And they, Maybe. They, 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 they named Vasquez rocks after him. I don't know if it, I'd have to look it up. I don't know if that's the same person. Yeah, I guess he's terrorized California. I don't know too much about him, which I, I didn't want to look him up, but I didn't have time. There was also, they called it banditry. I guess there is just a lot of like that going on down there. They said one story about a Mexican woman who sold her granddaughter to marriage to a middle-aged man. You know, back then they do weird stuff like that. Still do. And the daughter, which she was a minor, she ran away uh, from the situation and jumped off 
one of the rim rocks in Arroyo Seco, mm. according to the stories from that. A cultist, so Wayne Pose of that time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, our Sabrina's. Occultists, this is what the article said, occultists say that there's an aura of lore, a spell that holds sway today in the stream bed of the Royal Seco. And they called the call existing at the bridge is a laurel of the Arroyo, like this whole mermaid thing, like the that legend where the where people were, you know, like the, where the sirens were like calling these fishermen and you'll just jump to your death and stuff like that. They were kind of giving that example to this interesting. bridge. Interesting. Right? I thought that was interesting that they thought mm-hmm. that at the time. It makes me want to go back down there like now. Yeah. Well, when, when the light's down low, but we should go down there and hear if we hear the sirens cry. Please don't go down there and check. I will go check for you yeah. guys. Also, astrologers got involved. Ooh. And they said that the the time and date the bridge or the, the time that the bridge was built, there was Saturn was in the fourth house, you know, like all that stuff with astrology. And it was like a really negative time to be kind of built. Building. Uh-huh. <laughs> so therefore, it caused a lot of negative energies and stuff. Wayne's like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> And then somebody else play, blamed it on the result of the jazz age. Because somebody explained that. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> somebody All that, that jazz and that hooch. <laughs> they, used to, they used to play uh, heavy metal records backwards in the 80s looking for devil's uh, uh, messages. So. Oh, I remember hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> Back, backward masking, it's called. Yeah, jazz, jazz and alcohol was um, the the villain in every everything especially in the early 20s and prohibition so you know housewives were like no more jazz music that's no interesting it was like jazz like the rap now like rap music is bad and all that stuff how it was in the 80s probably yeah interesting. something similar and it's interesting loose because- women and alcohol because <laughs> the music i don't think the music makes you think negative right so i love jazz well there's a lot there's an aspect of jazz that's well it's more more like the blues it's where you're down and you're 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 singing about things that are not necessarily depressing but things that are bringing you down you know there's kind of a, a there's kind of a mix there yeah i could see that i guess i would say that more so jazz is an issue because of where it started and who it came from. And I think that Americans and white American housewives are not, were not ready for jazz music. They created country music. (laughs) Shush. When the dog leaves and the the wife leaves, the the truck leaves and all that. But that's not what I mean. I'm sorry, I'm just joking. (laughs) You took it somewhere else, Wayne. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, it's it's culturally different. And I think that scared, scared them. And I think that they don't like it. And so, or they didn't like it. So it was the culprit for anything bad, just like alcohol of those of those days and could be the reason why someone was not performing right at work or you know troubles in a marriage or people jumping off bridges the last one i was able to find because i mean in the 90s 
late 90s they just kind of said people's names they don't really say why like not as detailed as it was back in the 30s and 40s and you know I think maybe privacy I don't know but in t- the last one that I thought it was really kind of I had I didn't even hear about this in 2008 what was the name of the one you heard that when you guys were there 2010 that was 2000 the last time I was there 2015 October okay. 2015 uh, an actor jumped hours before we showed my movie there that's yeah. the last day I, I went as well i think okay because the, the last one i got from the research was january 2008 uh walter garcia 38 year old jumped off but he had previously killed his girlfriend and mother-in-law so he kind of was more on the run i'm gonna just jump off and die too so that i hadn't heard of that like in general uh so maybe they're just not publicizing stuff like this anymore because of the you know fact that people now get, get ideas yes and it's it's true it could happen they could get ideas but back to the the theories of the cult stuff like and the the land i think yeah the land i don't know too much history of it but just like that story about the the bandits and like whatever they're running around through there and the, i could see how there was probably so much that from that land that we have no idea and who yeah, there's stories before. though, not only bandits, but people that would uh, would kidnap kids uh, from there. You, you know, the kids would go missing. Uh, just so, I think there's a lot of general, you know, how there's evil in the world, not necessarily Satan with his pitchfork. You know, there's, there's e- evil people wait to do things to other people and places that are a little hard to get to or are, are a little more desolate you know so you, so you won't have so many uh witnesses to whatever's happening so if you got kids playing around there no one there's no not too many witnesses you probably just you know kidnap children or rob people things like that you know it's a lot easier to do and i think it said that there was families and whatnot that lived in that area and they were fine but who knows you know i guess the Mexican woman that that uh, sold her granddaughter. Maybe I mean there was like different families. It's just hard to imagine because it's all, it's wild. But then there's like all these fancy places that are built around it. So it's kind of hard to see. I mean, again, there's like so many names, so many stories of the, these people that actually you know died there. Looking, uh, just seeing their names in the stories, like when I had gone these couple times, it didn't seem like. Not it didn't seem so scary or anything to me, or too like if much happened because it looked so nice. I, after reading this, it, it's really like wow, like there it's there's so much that has happened there, and it's sad. Before we get to the part about your paranormal stuff, um, you were gonna share a little bit about Devil's Dam, which is down the way, because there's a connection to Devil's Dam, right, Wayne? Yeah, Devil, uh, Devil's Gate. Dam, a bridge, not bridge, I'm sorry, Devil's Gate Dam is around, is in the Royal Seca area. And uh, if, if you go down there to the part of the dam that's uh, that's on the Arroyo Seco, on the cliff side, it looks like the profile of the traditional devil, the, the devil's face, you know? Yes. On the, on the cliff side, you can see it, it's distinct. It's not like you have to kind of stare at it in a certain direction. As soon as you're down there, you can see it. Yeah. And, um, there's a there's a uh, a gate that closes in front of the one part of the dam, and people have gone in there and there's been there's been satanic rituals put in there. This is these are modern times. I don't know how long it's been happening, but modern time people are still doing satanic rituals and 
paranormal groups go there all the time and uh, you, people like squeeze through the bars or actually cut the bars just to go all the way in there and and do whatever or you know so that's that's part of the arroyo seco and plus the whole connection with jack parsons is uh in that area too explain some more about him please jack parsons is uh one of the founders of jpl jet propulsion laboratory and uh in the early 20s or 30s he was fascinated with rockets and so he and some friends who called themselves the Suicide Squad would go down to the Arroyo Seco and uh, try to shoot off their late their latest version of a rocket. They'd make they'd make rocket fuel like in their garage, and just go down to the Arroyo Seco and shoot off rockets. And uh, in the 20s and 30s, they were interested in going to the moon and going shooting rockets into space. And in the 20s and 30s, people were calling them crazy. So rockets can't work in space you're stupid what was wrong with you you barely have a high school education you want to put a rocket in space because you know the the general knowledge of rockets back then is they push against the earth's gravity to go up in the air and there's no gravity or air in space so they said well rockets aren't going to work in space you know they didn't they didn't fully understand where where a special fuel would shoot out of the back like a squirting of the back of a rocket and it will propel you in space because there's no gra- there's no friction, there's no gravity. So if you're propelled in space, you'll be shooting, you'll be going until you stop. You know, in uh, uh, they didn't real really realize that. So there's no way we're going to go to the moon. So um, this guy kept experimenting, and after a while, people started catching up with him, like you know uh, some scientists or something. So they f- eventually formed JPL and studied how we can get rockets into space and stuff like that. Uh, but um, during that time, not only was this guy with a, barely a high school education, he's it's almost like a like a weird genius in a way. You know, he, he kept uh, updating his uh, rocket fuel formula. You know, and at the same time, he started getting interested in, in the su- uh, so say suicide, uh, supernatural. And uh, one of the uh, supernatural. Uh, cults around in Los Angeles at that time. What year was, was the, this? What 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 eight years? This year was in? like nineteen thirties, uh, I believe. Okay. Like late 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 nineteen thirties, they he started getting involved in the Aleister Crowley cult, and I think that's uh, what was it? It's called the Ordo Templi Orientis (OTO), mm-hmm. and it was this is uh, sex magic, but oh. they involved sex and. Um, and conjuring and at the same time. And so they had this cult where people would just, they believe that sex helped them um, manifest what they want in life, do, do without wilt. I think that's what it says, I'm not sure. He's, he was heavy into that. And scientists would go to his, he, he got a mansion on Millionaire's Row called the Parsonage. You gonna name this house the Parsonage. And they'd have uh, sex cult or orgies there and stuff like that. And scientists would go to his house and he'd, he'd answer the door with a snake around his neck. And I'm, I'm not here to learn about rocket fuel, not what are you doing, you know? So they, they kind of uh, put up with his eccentricities for a while. And then once they got people that could also think like him and try to develop rocket fuel and rocket engines to actually go into space, they kind of pushed him to the side because he's just too strange. 
you know, they, they just, and the FBI even uh, investigated him. Maybe he's a communist or something like that. <laughs> this weird sexual stuff. So yeah, he got pushed to the side and he uh, eventually, well, he eventually died in an explosion at his house. I think he was trying to make some new rocket fuel. And they said he was still alive with half his face gone and one of his arms missing. And he died at the hospital. That's the 1950s, I think. Wow. Sounds very painful. So all that stuff, all the, all this uh, experimentation went down uh, down in the Royal Senko uh, area. I don't know if any of his sex magic stuff happened there, but that that's the main connection to Jack Parsons. Okay. So I did read that the Devil's Gate Dam, I think, was built in the early 20s. And mm-hmm. obviously, because there's it was a dam like there's water down there on the other side i guess yeah and i did read about the rocks looking like the devil which i had never been down there so that would be interesting to see you saw that yeah we were down there me and sabrina were down there do you i don't i don't recall even looking i i felt very unsettled down there and it's a hike and you know how much i love hiking so by the time we settled and everything i felt very unsettled and we sat not too far i think it was was it filled with water wayne i'm pretty sure it had water yeah we couldn't get we couldn't get to the opening of it where the profile of the devil is but we are across from it and it was Mm -hmm. uh, filled with water like a little pond or something so i guess it just recently was filled for a while it dries Mm -hmm. up and fills occasionally it was more than a pond it was i wouldn't have wanted to walk through there i don't think we could have walked through there (laughs) would have been you know like waist deep chest deep maybe even who knows but who would want to go in that nasty water anyway but it was just a very unsettling feeling down there that i felt and so i don't remember much except my walking stick that i got that day (laughs) from being down there just a a very unsettling feeling oh and another thing just to go back to the bridge um they did try to have police officers like one police officer posted there like as a kind of like a security to like prevent people from jumping and i guess they were told if anybody looks sad go to them and ask them questions and um i guess they did save you know maybe a couple people from actually jumping but they ended up taking it only worked they only did it for like seven weeks and they took them off post because they needed police officers in a different area like for something else so that didn't really last very long that's actually interesting, though, because uh, if there was there was any overall like negative feeling at the bridge, you would think someone posted there, it would eventually get to them. So, I guess we haven't heard any uh, stories of police jumping from being there so long. No, they so, were only there about seven weeks. Yeah, and they helped yeah. like three to four people only. Oh, okay. Which, I mean, significant in seven weeks. I thought about that too. Like, I'm surprised there's not like somebody there, like a guard. They tried it all. I mean, they didn't try the net thing, but I think that might have been a little bit more difficult. I don't know. Can you imagine? I think it would have attracted more people like daredevils. Aha, I'm going to jump in the net, you know? Yeah. But not just that. It could be problematic. Let's say somebody jumped and they hurt themselves and they got caught in a net how long would it take for someone to realize that they were there and come save them like that that could be problematic all on its own i just see people laying out there for a day or two in that in the weather just chilling in a 
I mean, they might net, even just injured. climb out the net too. If they and could, also, I guess also, I'm uh, picturing it. Also, wild animals stuck in the net. You know? <gasps> yes, that too. I didn't take that into consideration. There's a lot of wild animals down there, as we will discuss in a little while. I mean, like I'm telling you, there's there's a. I have more than 40 people, which are a ton to even like say every single one. That's kind of like the history of that, uh, you know, that I found, which was really interesting, just alone, you know, reading about not just, you know, initially it was a good thing. The bridge is a good thing, I guess, or it was a good thing. I know there's more roadways now, but it's, it, ha it is under historic landmark status. So it's not something they could tear down so easily now. I think in the 80s, they, they made it a historic landmark. Anyhow, so we could get into the part of how you guys first got connected to this and in your experiences, paranormal experiences at the bridge. Whoever wants to start. You want to go go ahead. Let's hear about your documentary, Wayne, and how you got in involved with the bridge. Okay, well, well, like I said earlier, the first time I heard about the bridge is just when I was a kid. Because if you're like a film geek or horror geek, you've heard about Pasadena because that's what they filmed. Halloween and I think mm. Back to the Future the houses were there too oh yeah and then of course you heard Suicide Bridge as oh wow that sounds kind of sinister you know I wonder what movie that was in you know I, so I never I never went to go oh, I got to visit that place I, I never did you know when I started my documentary in 2010 paranormal investigators that would be one one place to go I was there first time I was there was 2010 I followed this one group called what group R.I.P. RIP Riverside Investigators of the Paranormal R.I.P. And there was a lot, there's been a lot of groups with RIP as their mm -hmm. name, you know, so this is just one of them. The funny thing is for my final, the final part of the documentary, it ran, originally ran an hour and a half and I noticed people were kind of getting bored. So I had to cut some stuff off and unfortunately I cut all the Suicide Bridge stuff out of what's the documentary right now. But I followed those people. It was, I just barely started learning about EVPs and stuff like that. And uh, this one guy has what's called an ovulus. And it's something where the way it was explained to me, ghosts use the energy to translate something into words. I don't, I, even today, I don't believe in the obvious and I don't understand it. But that, that's what the, the guy was explaining to me. And so I was filming it and we were on the bridge and it said jump. That, so that was the one very interesting thing to me. Unfortunately, I had a new, I had a new microphone. I didn't turn it on, so I didn't get him saying it. Because it's saying it's saying it's jump. I said, oh, that's interesting. And of course, tisk, the, most tisk, inter tisk. the most interesting thing that happened, I didn't get it, you know? <laughs> oh, man. And we went under the bridge and uh, I've seen pictures of what, it, what it's like now. It's like a nice little park area with benches and stuff. When we were there in 2010, it was just overgrown, you know, bushes and things like that, rocks where you can, you know, you got to watch how you're, you're standing at a, an angle, you know, it's just very uneven and very dark and desolate and you can easily be let, let's put it this you just easily be jumped or you're down there everybody wants your you got you got people going out with hundreds of dollars of camera equipment and everything else they can just wait for you and give me your give me your stuff you know there's not much you can do about it you know so it was a very different way back then and there was no giant chain link fence over it we everybody was holding their camera over the side taking pictures and things like that and I was, I was there with two different groups uh, during the filming of my documentary. So you never used the footage. Is that something that you could still kind of create now? Oh, if you? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I mean, 
out of the two documentaries I've got, I can make seven more documentaries. That's how much footage I have. Oh wow! And I'm just I'm just thinking of putting it on YouTube because uh, I don't know if I'll do a special edition of my first documentary or not. But um, I'm thinking of putting it as little clips on YouTube on my channel just to show what I've you know all of I got a lot. I mean, it started 2010, it's 2021 right now, so I got tons of footage no one's even seen before. You as a person that wants to see the hard evidence, just what what kind of feelings or vibe do you get like when you've gone down there? Aside getting whatever you might have captured, is it just feel normal? Like maybe it's how is it for you? I I'm usually someone that doesn't feel anything. Like people around me that are sensitive, they're like jumping out of their skin at places that are haunted. Me, I don't I usually don't feel anything. I didn't feel anything at Suicide Bridge at all. It was okay. just a normal, normal noisy bridge. And when you go under it, it's nice and it's dark. You need a flashlight down there, even, you know, even though there's a couple of streetlights down there, uh, even back then, I don't know how what it's like now, but it was super dark. I mean, yeah, you even have a little flashlight. The the, the light would be engulfed by the darkness. You know, just it's just super dark down there. And that's you know, the only thing you, the only thing I was worried about is tripping over something because I couldn't see where I was walking. That's how dark it was, you know. I didn't feel anything. I mean, like I said, it was early on when I was really much more skeptical than I am today. So I didn't feel nothing. I didn't think it was any, I didn't think anything haunted or anything like that, you know. Interesting. What about you, Sabrina? I've been there multiple times. I believe the first time I went, I went with the team, the paranormal team I used to be on. We went and investigated, uh, had multiple investigation sessions at the little roundabouts where you can sit down at but there was some compelling evidence it definitely gives you a very I get a very sad vibe when I'm there it is noisy and I think the noise helps me to clear my mind because I can't think of too much because it's so loud and um, really focus on what I'm feeling and it feels very sad it, it feels sad and it doesn't feel like you're alone or like the, the small amount of people that you have with you it feels like there's there's definitely other other spirits, possibly other beings there with you. The last time, and I think it's the last time, I'd have to really think hard. Again, I've been there multiple times. I think the last time was when I went to, to support Wayne on his documentary. He was having a viewing right at the, the entrance of where you go onto the Colorado Street Bridge in the little grassy area. It's an actually cool little area to um, have a documentary showing. So it, felt- it was like where the, on the top it was showing? Do you, do you remember where we parked? Yes. Right there, like literally to the right. There's like that grassy area, like right there. And what was so it you- showing on? Uh, what was it on, Wayne? Like a projector? Yeah, there was this truck that would, there was this uh, van that would go to the haunted places and show movies that were either filmed there or about that place. And so there'd be a big projection uh, thing on the side of the the, the uh, van or truck, and, and uh, people would just sit on the lawn or or street and just watch it from the truck. And oh. that was at Defender. That was at Defenders Park on the east side of the bridge. And yeah. you guys had to get permission for that, or how does that yeah. work? Yeah, oh. uh, whoever I don't know who runs that is. It's called uh, well, Gula. What did Gula stand for? Um, ghost, <laughs> ghost hunters. Hunter, ghost hunters yeah. of Los Angeles. Yeah. And they, they go to different places that have a haunted past or something like that. And they, they'd either have a, a speaker 
or they show movies off this truck. And I, I guess you would probably need permission from the city to do that, you know. So I guess they went and got ahead and got that and just tell people, hey, we're we're meeting at Defenders Park and watch Night Stalkers that, that was filmed. It's a paranormal documentary that was filmed at Suicide Bridge. So, oh. and that was that was hours before. Hours uh, after. Hours after, yeah. The the guy jumped in uh, 2015. Yeah. Didn't know that. I thought the I thought it was going to be uh, canceled, but because uh, there was there, first of all there was someone that jumped, and the police cleared all that way. Then another person attempted to jump right after that guy the same day. And they talked that guy down. So all that happened before they showed my documentary. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't stop it or had the place, you know, blocked off. Me too, yeah. So back to that night, there was a lot of electricity in the air. It was palpable. It there was it was a very electric static. Like if you've ever shocked someone, like, you know, when you're kids and you just shock someone, it felt like that. And I remember walking and being so silly and nonchalant, just down the bridgeway till we got to whatever little and I call them roundabouts because I, I don't know what other word I should use for them with the the little benches and um I don't recall any evidence or responses um from that night specifically just the overwhelming feeling of sadness because not only do we know what this bridge is usually used for or it's famous for and why we come to contact and commune with um, the deceased but just hours before a man fell to his death and it was it's it's bad it's it's really sad and there's nothing that we can do about it it's just an overwhelming feeling of sadness and being there and just knowing that someone felt so distraught and in the moment that he could not go on any further and he had to end his life it's kind of strange being a paranormal investigator sometimes you you get moments like that and that's something that will stick with me we we've been there before and hopefully when um we get this this uh episode up and running on youtube we can um and add in some clips of one of the, t- the time that the three of us were there with multiple people we were there we were also there with 3am paranormal and we were having a um a itc session and we got some good responses we got Lestat because why else what else would i be talking about other than Lestat? and um what was the question again i forgot why that came up i remember that usually when you're having an investigation you might ask like for instance at this time joe mendoza of 3am paranormal was conducting this itc session and he asked uh, asked the spirits if there's a spirit here you know can you say spirit or at least that's what he would usually do or any of us would usually do and you're waiting for a response to say spirit fact he you can t- when you hear the clip you'll hear him go through and say different things that are people are suggesting that they say and you hear responses i mean he, you even hear we hear wayne's name right poe wayne poe yeah yeah they always want to talk to him probably because he doesn't believe in them or <laughs> you know like they have to slap him in the face for him to acknowledge them and at some point he's like give me like a different word the joe mendoza 3 a.m paranormal says and i just mention Lestat and sure enough within seconds you hear Lestat it's pretty compelling yeah well yeah I think I walked away after all that like be be, I didn't hear none of that I don't remember it was the time I went right yeah it was the time you went I just Mm -hmm. remember the word love 
like I don't know what the question was, but on the radio thing they're talking about, which you could explain what it, I think we talked about what that is. What's it called? This ITC Instrumental Transcommunication. Wayne Poe, explain to us what how that works. Well, people consider it a broken radio. It's usually used on a radio that scans the uh, the, the stations back and forth. Like it was on it like less than a quarter of a second. It just goes back, goes from the beginning of the band all the way to the end, and then it goes back, and then it goes that. You know, you know when you're, you have a regular radio that works, you tune the radio into your favorite station. You know, this thing it automatically will just keep going and going and going and going, and uh, you pick up voices from that. And, and you know, when I when I heard Richie heard about it, of course I was saying it's ridiculous, so, so stupid. It's a radio, of course you're going to have voices on it. And it took me a while to believe in it because you would hear the same voice say a, a sentence. And if you're thinking about it, if you're on a station like less than a quarter of a second and it goes to the next one, the next one, and the next one, how are you going to get one voice saying one sentence? If it's, if it, you know, they're, they're not, you know, one, the one voice isn't going to be on all these stations for a quarter of a second. Right. So it's got to be something helping. Help the general idea is it's helping spirit generate a voice through all that chaos to make a voice to, 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 to talk to you. That's basically the, the general uh, idea of what that is. I remember that. But I mean, I didn't hear Lestat. I think I, I went walking with somebody else down the, to the end of the bridge. I don't remember it's, even who it was. I know. It makes me feel old. Like, I, I just remember <laughs> spots of the night. I remember the car drive. I remember that moment. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember of, of like the whole the whole interaction and the whole evening, but it's fun when we were looking for some evidence to to add for our clip when we came across that one, and um, it, it jogged my memory. It was, it's pretty fun. So uh, that's a clip that you're gonna send me, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna add it right now, so everybody can listen. I know. Also, for the video, I'll add, I'll add the actual video clip into. If there's any spirits here, we're going to try to communicate with you uh, using this radio. Uh, my name is Joe. Everyone introduce yourself quickly. Wayne. Vicky. Leah. Albert. Green is here. Hello. Uh, we've been here before, and uh, you might remember some of us. Um, we'd like to communicate if we can uh, through the radio. So we're going to ask some questions. Uh, just to start out, if there are any spirits or ghosts or whatever you'd like to call yourself, um, could you please say the word? Pick a word. Spirit. That's calm. No? Love. Love? Tulip. Okay. I'm going to go with love because I like that. Um, so let's go with love. And if there's a spirit or a ghost here, if you could say the word love so we know that we're communicating with someone. I heard Wayne. I heard love once. Can you say love again, please? Okay, if you could say love very clearly for us one more time, please. 
Alright, so I'm gonna continue. Um, okay, so we got tulip and we got love. So we have another word that's really obscure. The stat? The stat? Like the vampire? <coughs> like the vampire the stat. You said blasphemy earlier, didn't you? It's a blasphemy, but I like the stat better. The stat. The stat. Uh, can you, can you okay. a couple days. Yes, yes. I'm terrified. Sleep at night. Um, if there's any spirits here, could you please say the the name Lestat, as in Anne Rice's vampire? And I'll I'll ask one more thing. Um, if you can manipulate any of the lights that are above our heads, also. So either say the word or manipulate the lights would be fantastic. Again, if you could please say the word Lestat, as in Anne Rice's vampire. I thought I heard it. I thought I heard it. Can you say it again if you said it very clearly, please? Can you say Lestat one more time? I thought I heard Joe. Can you say the word Lestat? Lestat. Thank you. So that was really clear. Yeah. The third one was really clear. Sounded like a female. Yeah, it was a female. I also heard Joe. I don't know if you heard that one. Um, but okay, so we'll take it from there. And any manipulation with the lights? Was anyone watching? I didn't, I didn't notice. Did you say anything? When I heard Lestat earlier, it sounded like a male. And then that last one. Last was one was a female. female. Yeah. And she said it, I thought, very clearly. I just wish there wasn't so much traffic. It would be, it'd be, a, lot, it'd be a lot neater. And if I had, like, a big speaker, that might work a little better, too. Okay, um, now that we know that there's someone here, can you please give us your name? Okay, so that was a clip of the time that we went in 2015, I guess, right? So No, 2014. 2014, I'm sorry. And I haven't, for, personally, I haven't got back since for investigation type of stuff. But when I went with you, Sabrina, like two, three, two weeks ago. Yeah. It felt like I had gone there for the first time because it looks completely different in the daytime. It does. It does. It felt really nice as far as like the park in the bottom. It's really pretty. And there was family there, then people playing and taking photos. Like it didn't seem like like such death have happened all over right there at all i know it sounds very odd to say this but i feel that and i don't usually feel this way i feel that the spirits that linger enjoy the park i think they enjoy the beauty because when we went and i think i've been there before dusk so like i've been there where there's still daylight previously than from when you and i going two weeks ago so I've seen it in daylight before but this time being down under it and looking up uh, you know above at it and being in this it's a really beautiful park and the way it's set up I just remember seeing these these sunbeams streaming down over the bridge onto the bridge spilling off of it and it just looked gorgeous and it looked peaceful and just feeling a very sense of of peace 
and I don't usually like the idea of, of the area, pop, you know, being desecrated in a sense, because many people fell to their death, had their last moments right there. But there's something about it, the beautification and maybe the repurposing of it that felt really peaceful. And then outside of that idea, I think it's really strange to build a park <laughs> right under a bridge where so many people have jumped to their death. And I think, like, what if someone somehow gets past that weird chain link fence and does it again, and there's people there, how traumatizing that would be for all involved. But yet, to me, when we were down there looking at all the, the birds and the lizards and all the little creatures and feeling the breeze and the bees and the flowers, it felt really peaceful. It yeah. gave it a whole new feel. Well, actually, that has happened this year, April 2021. Someone jumped and was found in the park down there by a, a park uh, a park employee. It was like six in the morning. They found a, that person. Wow. I remember you saying, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, devastating. And we went to the, to the top of it and the fence, the new fence that they have, it's a chain link fence that you can't climb because it's really tiny holes. It just looks like a prison or some kind of institution. Sadly, I understand why they put it and they had to get to that measure, but it, you know, it, it just doesn't look like a bridge like on top anymore. It doesn't, it does look like a cage. Mm -hmm. And there were so many sticky notes that said like, be happy, we love you. And I think that the fact that we're being more aware of people and their thought process and more aware of suicide. Do you remember the locks? Yes. I think the locks were a beautiful touch. I, and I would love to go back there one day. Sonia Junta and I were talking about going back there one day and putting some locks up. And it's a great way to remember the, those that have passed. But yes, there's, it'd be really hard to conduct an investigation up there because you can't really sit. And if we're going to be still for a while, and most people would probably want to sit after a while, it does look like a cage, like we're caged in. It, it feels foreign, gives a whole different feel. I still think that there's spirits that linger there. I definitely felt like there were when we were down in the park. I mean, I, I didn't feel too much of that. Personally, I, I think like Wayne, I don't really feel too many things. But I could imagine you being there when you were there, you could probably get more sense. And now even more with all the people you hear heard now that the names and on the people that actually died and the reasons. I, I mean made by it might be more real going back. Yeah. I think for me it will be too. Definitely. When you put the names to the face, right? Yeah. There are so I, many. So many. And I always think about that young man who ended his life that night that we had the investigation or that day that we had, or not the investigation, documentary showing. I always think about that, that man. I always feel for him. I hope he's not there. I hope he's moved on and on to better things. Okay, so we'll give, we'll just, if anybody does feel like in, ever in crisis, you know, we'll, um, I'm going to give you guys a suicide hotline. It's one 800 273-8255. That's a national suicide hotline. There's also a 
a crisis uh, text counselor that you could text if you if you need to. And that is um, you type the word start to 741-741 and some, a crisis counselor will reach out. Um, if you're in LA, obviously if you're in LA, then there's also the Department of Mental Health hotline 24-7. It's 1-800-854-7771 and they could connect you to mental health services. And we'll please, put that information down. Please reach out to your friends and family if you haven't heard from them. Please, if you're feeling, you know, like you can't go on, reach out. You are loved. Yes. Again, if you want to follow, continue to follow the podcast, look for, look for it on Instagram, Beyond the Facade Podcast. Wayne, you got any last words? Thank you for your time and your experience with the bridge and your stories. Um, any last words or where people could find you or anything else you want to say? Well, thank you very much. And I will sometime in the near future be putting up my uh po- my clips from suicide bridge from 2010 and and from 2014 when we went uh, you can find all my stuff on mrposemorg.com all my youtube twitter all instagram all that stuff my documentary that we showed that night in 2015 night stalkers you could find that on amazon prime okay yeah and hotel camarillo Hotel Camarillo, yes, that's about the Camarillo State Mental Hospital, which is now Cal State Channel Island. So that's a very interesting docu- paranormal documentary also. And Sabrina, any last words or where people can um, find you? Check me out on Instagram at Observing Spooks and Other Vices. And we thank you for your patronage. Keep coming back. Let us know if there's something you want to hear. Uh, we'd be happy to investigate and see if that's something we want to put up and we love the feedback so just keep coming back and thank you for listening this far okay thank you bye everybody